Wow. What a weekend it was this past weekend. SRX wrapped up their six-week summer series. IndyCar doubled down in Iowa. And NASCAR, well, for the very first time in its 70-year-plus history, both the race winner and second place resulted in an unprecedented double disqualification. So let's get to that news. Pocono hosted NASCAR's trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. The action kicked off on Saturday with a final regular season race for the Camping World Truck Series. Through the tunnel turn and headed toward three. One more corner for Chandler Smith here to go. Priest trying to get closer, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to make that move. Smith holding him off. Brand new truck for this 18 team. Danny Stockman has brought for his driver, Chandler Smith. And Smith has made it pay off for the second time this season. Chandler Smith is a winner in the Camping World Truck Series. Later that day, it was Xfinity's turn. And the race shook out to be a real barn burner between Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs. Gibbs' last chance. Gregson all the way down to the bottom of the turn. And he has four car links over Ty Gibbs. It's Noah Gregson winning at Pocono. Meanwhile, in Iowa, IndyCar hosted a doubleheader with the High V250 on Saturday. And it was a dominating performance by Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden. Through three and four, Joseph Newgarden can climb within whispering distance of the championship. Win number four in the season. Win number four in Iowa. Joseph Newgarden wins the first half of the high wing Indy car with the double header. Yeah, great job, Drew. Great job. We'll leave there. We'll leave. That night at the Sharon Speedway, Tony Stewart's SRX dirt domination ended when Chase Elliott grabbed the victory. Coming to three laps to go as Elliott and Stewart fight for the race win. Can't get away. No. Stewart just can't quite hook on him. Now, Elliott goes to the bottom. Stewart slides wide. Now, is that the right thing or is that a mistake? That's a, lay, a last minute little change there on the line change. So here they come to two laps to go. Chase is checking out. The focus is up front. White flag is out. One lap to go for Chase Elliott. Matt Kenseth left to fight with Stewart for second spot as Elliott has checked out three, four car lengths. Fans come to their feet. Checkered flag comes out from the starter stand. And a win in his second try at SRX is Chase Elliott's. He wins tonight in Ohio. And Chase Elliott is two for two in visiting the superstar racing experience. But in terms of the series title, those honors went to IndyCar veteran Marco Andretti. Yeah, the cool thing about this is you get damaged, you, you still can play and uh, stay on the lead lap. So um, I, I broke my wrist in that last little thing. I, I got my thumb caught in a wheel. So uh, that was a painful last couple laps, but I just wanted to cover and, and finish right where I needed to finish. And uh, we were able to do that. So this thing was pretty robust tonight. Sunday, it was back to Pocono and Iowa. But before we get to those races, let's check in with action from around the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts weekly short track scene with this report from the host of PRN's At the Track Show, 
Lenny Baticki. Thanks a lot, Jack. This is your NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series Report, and we'll start out with recent show guest Jalen Hardbarger once again parking it in victory lane at Salinas High Banks in Kansas. Monadnock Speedway in New Hampshire to Ben Byrne. Trevor Rocky got it done at Claremont. Alaska Raceway Park falls to Damian Ackerman, while Evan Schottko gets the big trophy at Berlin Raceway in Michigan. Madison International Speedway in Wisconsin to Zach Riddle. Luke Witter wins up at Canada's RPM Speedway, while at Autodrome Granby, it's Alex LaJoy in victory lane. Vinny Delaney wins at Riverhead Raceway in New York, Monroe, Washington, Evergreen Speedway, Preston Peltier pocketed $25,000 for his victory up there. Greenville Pickens Speedway in South Carolina to Mag Tate, Brandon Ward victorious at North Carolina's Bowman Gray Stadium, Wake County to Tyler Matthews, and two really hot young guns, Katie Hedinger and Connor Zillich split the victories at Hickory Motor Speedway. Grandview Speedway in Pennsylvania to Craig Van Doren. Chris Van Dyke a winner at Kingsport, Tennessee and their track, the Concrete Jungle. But how about this? Second place in points to Van Dyke is NASCAR Cup Series veteran Brad Teague at the ripe age of 74 years young. All-American Speedway in California to Kenna Mitchell. Kyle Barnes wins at Motor Mile in Virginia while over at Langley Speedway it's Hampton Heat. Jared Fryer, hottest of them all, he gets the win. Limeland Motorsports Park in Ohio to Brandon Vaughn. Zach Webster and Tim Farner split the victories at Idaho's Magic Valley. Meridian Speedway to Colton Nelson. Bud McIntyre victorious at Florida's New Smyrna Speedway. And Seekonk, Massachusetts, Nick Brightman gets the victory. That's your NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series report. Thanks for having us, Jack. We'll see you next time. The Poconos of Pennsylvania echoed with the roar of NASCAR's Cup Series, and it was a JGR Toyota sweep. Here they are, maybe getting their third win, and that would put them with 12 playoff points plus the five they would get. That would make 17 playoff points, and all of a sudden, Denny Hamlin would be the number two seed in the playoffs, Rick. Unbelievable how wild their year has been. One more turn. No game. And half of that long straightaway until he sees the checkered flag. It would be his third win of the 2022 season, but more importantly, it would be career win number 49, tying him with Tony Stewart. He's going to win at Pocono again. Great job, team. Good work. But then, in post-race inspection, both Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch we're disqualified. Okay, we're now joined by uh, NASCAR Cup Series Managing Director Brad Moran. There was some uh, some issues discovered that uh, that affect uh, affect arrow of the vehicle. Um, the uh, the part was the uh, was the front fascia, and um, there really was uh, no reason why there was some material that was somewhere that it shouldn't have been, uh, and that does uh, basically come down to a DQ. It is a penalty, uh, both first uh, 11 of Denny Hamlin and the 18 of Kyle Busch been DQ'd. Uh, their vehicles are being loaded in a NASCAR hauler. They're going to go back to the R&D center. The final results have been changed to uh, to to show that the, the two DQs uh, were there. Giving Chase Elliott the victory. IndyCar's second race of the weekend at Iowa Speedway, the High V 300, looked like it was going to be a case of second verse, same as the first, as Joseph Newgarden enjoyed a commanding lead 
until. Just like that, the leader who has dominated the weekend is into the wall. And that left the win to Pato Award. They've had bad luck at times. Today, some good luck. Start number 50 for Pato Award is win number four. Award is back in the championship mix. Wins the second half of the High V IndyCar doubleheader in Iowa. You're entering the wind tunnel. Your home for real motorsports conversation. No spin, no bull, just jack. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Here's your Wind Tunnel host, Jack Aroo. My collection of guests this week weigh in on some very interesting topics that, by the way, have been in the news lately. DD Paul Tracy will check in, and he gives his take on year two of the SRX series. He'll also examine the 2022 IndyCar season thus far, as well as offering up his opinions on the continued dispute between Alex Below and Chip Ganassi, which, by the way, resulted in the filing of a lawsuit earlier this week. Jennerstown Speedway joined NASCAR this season, and their general manager, Bill Rebar, checks in to update us on how that NASCAR affiliation is gone. We'll also talk about Jennerstown's winning of the Advance My Track Challenge that resulted in a fat check for $50,000 from Advance Auto Parts. You'll learn directly from Bill what the money is earmarked for and how the entire Jennerstown community will benefit. And I had a chance to visit with NASCAR's Hall of Famer Bill Elliott a couple of weeks ago, and I'll bring that wide-ranging conversation to you. In it, Awesome Bill from Dawsonville updates you on his racing these days, but most importantly, offers up his opinions about NASCAR today and where it is headed tomorrow. That's all on the docket and headed your way next, so tighten up those belts and get ready. Wind Tunnel is cranked up and ready to go. Coming up after the break. Bill Elliott is racing into the record books. Bill Elliott is going toward immortality. Bill Elliott gets the checkered flag. Bill Elliott has won an additional $1 million in 1985. Time to check in with NASCAR Hall of Famer, Awesome Bill from Dawsonville, Georgia. Bill Elliott joins me after this timeout. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. So uh, you're back behind the keyboard, you're collecting Social Security, you're on Medicare, you're a Hall of Famer. So Bill Elliott, what's it like to get behind the wheel again? 
Well, you know, you got a couple of them, right? I am on Medicare, but I'm not on Social Security yet, but I'm working on it. But, uh, oh, it's great. I enjoy it. I've had a good time fooling around what I've done the last few years. I've done a little bit of vintage road racing, not much, and uh, just kind of picked and choosed and done a few things. I did this series last year, which was kind of a, the first handful of races was kind of a disaster, but finally got my act together and ran good at Nashville and had a good time with Chase, and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a good good run, good trip. Uh, looking forward to the night, and you know, I came up here last year, and the car had a, a fuel uh, pickup issue, and I ended up falling out of the race, and uh, that was kind of a bummer, so the guys that ran here last year have a little bit of edge on me. I want to go back to Nashville, because I think any father that has a son whether they're race car drivers, but when the son follows in the father's footsteps and you get a chance to work shoulder to shoulder, father and son, and that's exactly what happened with you, first at Road America one year ago, but then at Nashville, can you describe to people just what that made Bill Elliott feel like? Oh, it's really cool. I mean, to to see your kid grow up and, and him become the, the race car driver or kind of follow his dream yeah. and become become you know win races and do things and and being successful in his own right but then to be able to race with him and help understand where things have evolved to and that's what's because like i went to pensacola with the srx two weeks ago and i really enjoyed racing pensacola because i'd been in there with chase for a, a number of trips the past number of years and he's run well he's won a couple of snowball derbies he's won a lot of races down there and now I could better understand what he was trying to tell us as yeah. he were going, how he, he was going through his career. So it just it just helps you when when you talk about things, you do things, and I've even picked up things from him. You know, by the way, he's learned how to drive a race car and changed from from my era of driving a race car. Where do you think, Bill? He's a better race car driver than you. Just experience. I mean, when I came into Cup in the in the mid 70s, I didn't. I hadn't raced, you know, several handfuls of races at that time, you know. So for me, the 70s were was the learning curve that set me up for the 80s. But I still, I still lacked a lot of racing experience, even in the 80s. That you you kind of learned. At, it was it was kind of learn as you go. You, you know, there wasn't a handbook. There wasn't somebody tapping you on the shoulder saying, "Hey, you're doing this wrong or that wrong or whatever." You just had to figure it out and. Uh, you know, like Harry Hyde always said, you know, you learn it the hard way, you won't forget it. And, and that's kind of the way I was. But but as, as the evolution of things change, you know, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to drive several of the different cup cars throughout the years and understand that evolution. I haven't driven one of the new, new cars of, of, of this year, but maybe one time I'll get the opportunity to do that and just to see how it how it looks toward everything else that I've driven to this point because I was in the cars back when they were true stock cars and they'd put you know they put a chassis they they just beefed up what was there and made it go and then we we evolved into building tubular cars and putting bodies on them and now you've evolved into a full-fledged race car you know over you know since probably the late 80s early 90s to what it's evolved to today so it's all changed I had Clint Boyer on earlier this year in this in, in, on Wind Tunnel, and we got into a very spirited conversation, quite honestly, about this next-gen car. And Clint and I kind of came to the agreement that you can't create 
a design where one size fits all and with the variations from road courses to the Bristol dirt to short tracks etc maybe you can approximate it but it isn't all that we were sold in on and he brought up the point and I'd be interested in your take what he think is going to be, thinks is going to be critical is what NASCAR decides to do as this concept evolves or are they going to fall back to the default position they always seem to have in our day of this is our sandbox if you want to play in it you play according to our rules I think that's the unanswered question right now well I think one thing it depends on who gets in their ear and, yeah. and, and influences the decision of which way they go, whether it's the fans, whether it's other race teams, whether it's, it's whomever. That's going to that's gonna be the first direction of where NASCAR will go. The second thing is, I think, in my opinion, you've got such a small latitude of what you can do to the car. And, and I keep contending, if I'm a driver and I want it, and I like a certain arrow balance, either i got to learn how to drive it, and I don't have the latitude to change it to where I feel like there needs to be a little more latitude in in the amount of ch- adjustments you get with this particular car. That's one thing that I think would would be better. But but there again, it's it's a very complicated car. It's it's more it's way more complicated than the old car that we drove. And I don't even think I could even set one up, you know, because it's independent rear. There's a lot of there's a lot of things going on. Uh, to me. You know, there's certain things a little more durable, certain things a lot less durable about the car. You know, so, you know, it's just going to have to evolve. I mean, life's about evolution, and, you know, I don't like the way a lot of things go, but I can't change it. And, you know, but you can go into grandstands and ask 100 people, you have 100 different opinions of what they think. And, and look, I, I think the bottom line is, and you just touched upon it, uh, in order for us to continue to thrive into the next 25 years of the 21st century there has to be a lot more attention paid to what the paying spectator is looking for uh with all due respect drivers are going to be drivers car owners are going to be car owners so we're, we're going to have all that stuff is going to remain constant maybe their agenda is different but without the race fans you wouldn't have had the career that you've got nor would chase have the career that he's having or some Haley Deegan, let's say, is about to have in her generation. And y- y- you keep looking for who's going to get the ear and listen to what they're, whether it's good or bad, you need to listen to those people. Well, the main thing, I think you don't need to, you don't need to alienate the grassroots fans yeah. that you had from the beginning. And I think that's what's happened to some extent. But on the flip side, is you've got to grow your fan base as well and continue that evolution on but yes it, it's all about the fans it, it you know they're gonna they're gonna if they're gonna pay money they want to see a good race and their definition of a good race is what you know and to each person that definition is different and and that's what i said earlier i mean you you go through this sport and i think one thing that 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 if i would have done i would have done if I would have built this next-gen car, I would have focused more on, if, if I was going to go this drastic of a change in car, I would have said, okay, we're going to limit you how much fuel you can use to where the teams come up with a creative, better mileage, whatever how you want to do it, whether they keep power or take power out, get fuel mileage or whatever you do, because that's that's kind of where our world is coming to as time goes on. But 
but I mean that's that's kind of me and you know what I see you know if you look at if you look and listen and you just look at what's going on in society around you and and that's one part of what you got to understand and look at until Chase came along you were the most popular driver year in year out over and over and over again so there's no question that you're connected to the fans so what is the overwhelming uh, feeling that they express to you when they encounter you, whether it's at the, at the Dawsonville pool room or at the local you know, Home Depot, wherever you run into somebody, what is it that they feed back to you about the sport we both love? Well, I mean, I have mixed. Yeah, I try to ask the fans what they think of it today, and, and you get a lot of mixed reviews. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of fans just either were they were avid, turn it on if hell freezes over we're still going to turn it on every week to where you know the majority of them is more of a become more of a casual fan and that's that's kind of a sad part of kind of where we're going but but there again not taking anything away from nascar but you look at our whole society period i mean we're we're a society of wanting everything right now you know we we've got our cell phones we've got all this all this information feeding to us 24 7 you know so you've got you know, you want, I want it right now. That's what I want. You know, so you want the answers before you ask the questions. And that's what, that's what we're, we're turning into that society. But yet, the, the, the fans have, the fans that, that I run into have, have looked at like everything in general and looks, and looks at it and says, well, it's just come become more too much commercialized. You know, it's all about, you know, selling this or selling that, which it was in the early days, but but it 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 just seems totally like totally different, totally different, yeah. because now that's become that's become a cost, something that they cost an analysis. They look at it. You had a merchandise trailer, okay? You were excited if all of a sudden you came home and you sold out of your T-shirts. Now we're talking about a series of collectible diecasts. We're talking about you know so many different things that it's become a profit center for these race teams and for drivers. Right. Well, I mean, but that's just a part of it. I mean, yeah. fans fans want memorabilia of of anything: football, baseball, basketball, racing, whatever it may be. And but to me, it's but everybody sees that as they've gotten involved for a lot of the wrong reasons yeah, yeah. as it's gone on and who the, usually the guy that gets hurt the worst at the end is the race fans you know but but you know we try to take care i try to take care of the race fans the best i can and do do what i can and i could try to continue to do that even even i've not been you know full time behind a wheel for 21 years now but I, like I said, I still come to, uh, I enjoy doing these things. I enjoy seeing the fans. And I just enjoy certain parts of it. Coming up, this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex originated in 1929 as the Jennerstown Fairgrounds and has evolved over the years several times to what it is today, a .522 asphalt racing oval. My name's Billy Rebar, and I'm the general manager of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex. Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. 
Man, this is for all those guys. Uh, there's a ton of them out there that, that are like me, that have won here, and all these great short tracks around here. We can do it. We just need the opportunities. Today proved it. Yeah, it's a short track, but it's still damn hard to win here, and we did it. They are hometown heroes, drivers who put their passion on the line in front of their friends. Here we go, three wide, got Sellers up in the marble. Halfway home in this one, off turn four, he heads for the checkered flag. Here comes Riggs, Riggs is back at it on the inside. Buckle up and hold on tight. Time now to focus the spotlight on hometown heroes with this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. Brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series, driving local racing in local communities forward. Well, taking the victory lap today is a gentleman that you first met when the announcement was made that his speedway, Jennerstown Speedway, was joining the ever-increasing number of NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series tracks. Billy Rebar joins me now for another visit, this time, Billy, about halfway through your inaugural NASCAR season, but $50,000 richer thanks to your racetrack winning the Advance My Track Challenge. I watched all the videos, very impressed. Congratulations, first of all. But second of all, the impact that that $50,000 will have upon the operation at Jennerstown. Yeah. First off, you must be my lucky charm, because as you said, we talked before the season got started. And here we are talking again halfway through and tremendous results. Uh, cannot thank NASCAR and Advanced Auto Parts enough for putting this competition together. And this would not be possible without the loyal fans and drivers of the Jennerstown Speedway. They really rose to the occasion. They embraced this, I mean, better than any other track out there. They drivers made their own videos. They were encouraging people every day. Jack, you know from different competitions, people don't like to vote every day for three days, let alone for several weeks. And they were just religiously voting. Uh, the funds are going to be used to build a brand new ADA accessible bathroom. You know, we take great pride in our facility. It's very clean and, and our bathrooms are nice, but they're just not efficient and suitable for the needs of what our fans are expecting. We're also going to include a family bathroom as part of that. You know, you have couples that, you know, need to use the facilities together. So this is really near and dear to our hearts. Um, this is such a great cause. We Our intentions were to do it anyway, but with the, the help of advanced auto parts, it's going to happen in the off season. And, and I want to get to the impact that it not only has on Jennerstown, uh, the track itself, but your commitment. And I would encourage all of my listeners to go to advancemytrack.com and watch your video because it really explains in depth the interpersonal relationships that your racers, your fans, you, your staff have with the community of Jennerstown as well. Absolutely. It, it is literally the definition of community. Whenever we saw this challenge and what they wanted evolved, I'm like, guys, we fit every criteria. We had to you know, obviously make it down to a shorter video, but when you have three generations of drivers. You've got grandfathers and sons and grandsons that have all won track champions. You've got, you know, the local fire department that their number one source of income is the Jennerstown Speedway and their 50-50 sales. That is the true definition of what a community is. And we had our celebration here on July 9th with Advanced Auto Parts. There was over 6,000 people there. It was the biggest 50-50 of the year. So that was kind of nice to see. But 
it just comes full circle as to what this track means to the community and what this community means to the track. Bill, it's it's been a labor of love of yours. And I, I know when the last time we visited, uh, it was very evident to me that this is not a job for Bill Rebar. More, it's a fulfillment of a passion. Has NASCAR built that passion even greater to burn brighter within you because of their assistance and things like advanced auto parts support? Yeah, the sense of pride that NASCAR's brought to the table with the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, I see it in my drivers, I see it in my staff. People are so proud to say we're part of this NASCAR Weekly program. You never know when you make a turn like this, Jack, how people are going to receive it, but it was everything we'd hoped for. Um, you know, every one of my shirts at the track, this isn't just for the show, literally every one of my shirts has been branded with it. My drivers have done the same thing. I've had to contact Brett Tisdale and get more stick-on patches because people are proud to wear that. They wear it in public. They wear it with pride. And it's just giving Jennerstown the recognition that they deserve. And I am so pleased with what NASCARs provide. It's such an amazing resource to these short tracks. Anybody listening to this show, if you've ever contemplated, I'm telling you, it is worth itself tenfold. Um, it's just an amazing thing for short tracks to provide to your drivers. We've got a driver in our four-cylinder division leading the Northeast Regional Points Championship, and he's third in the nation. That is just an amazing opportunity for a young man to have. So it is a passion, but we all share that same passion at Jennerstown. All right, let's talk about the competition on the racetrack. You alluded to uh, that four-cylinder cat that's uh, you know really been thrusted in the mainstream nationally. What about the rest of your divisions? Uh, Field, not you know, uh, uh, fields, the size of the fields, the racing itself. Tell me a little bit about what J Town has been able to produce the first half of this campaign that makes it so uber competitive. Well, one of the things that's nice, Jack, is anybody anywhere in the country or in the world now can watch our weekly show on Flow Sports, and the feedback we're getting from that really puts the pressure on these drivers to really perform at a higher level, and in all our divisions. We have multiple drivers that can win on any given Saturday night. And that's what you want as a track promoter, a manager, whatever. You don't want to see the same person every week win, not because you don't want that person to win. It's just, it's not good for the behavior of the track. And on any seven given Saturday night, you can see the same guy start in the pack in the 12th and make it to third, but it's a good race and they're side by side for the win. I mean, we've had so many photo finishes this year that thank God we've got flow to review some of them. So the quality of racing at Jennerstown has really improved. Um, it's no secret across the country there's a tire shortage, but the great folks in American Racer right up the road here in Indiana, Pennsylvania, we've worked with them from day one to come up with some great strategies to conserve those tires. And believe it or not, it's produced even better racing. Uh, more notebooks are winning races rather than checkbooks, which is great. You're seeing a lot of these little guys you know, that are out there really doing well and uh, winning races. And that's all you can ask for. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because all of us are dealing with these supply chain uh, issues or as today's kids call them challenges. And we've talked to fellow promoters and drivers at the local level, and they've all addressed this so-called tire shortage, but also the inflation and the effect it has on campaigning or quite honestly, getting an engine rebuilt you know, simple things like that. Well, what's been your experience? You mentioned, you know, American Racer working hard with you. How much have you been forced in a management role to tinker 
with maybe what traditional approaches are to compensate for, look at what every household in America is dealing with each and every day. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we've taken for granted over the last seven or eight years where you just assume when you pick up the phone and you order tires, they're going to be order fuel, you order parts. Now, the same things that you were able to get in two days now take six to eight days. Well, we all know we race every Saturday night. So even if you order something Sunday, you may not have that part for the following week. So uh, we, the key to all this is communication. I communication with my Thai representative. We've actually become really good friends and we communicate constantly and we know in advance where we're going to be. But, you know, some of the other parts, um, the, the track's actually a motor state dealer. We've been actually stocking a few parts and wheels, wheels. You couldn't get wheels to put your tires on for a long time. So we've been ordering in bulk and just trying to have them available to the racers. But yeah, I mean, the inflation's not a good thing. You know, the price of fuel, we've really kind of, and there you go again, the tracks depend on that income to help with point funds and things like that. And we've pretty much forego all that income just to keep that price down for the racers because they can only absorb so much as well. Um, and just even the simple things in the concession stand, the little souffle cups that you put your cheese sauce and your barbecue, they tripled in price. Well, how do you pass that along? So, um, the struggle's real everywhere, but I do think the communication with everyone, you know, even with the drivers being up front saying, hey, guys, this week, everybody's only going to get one tire. If it gets better, we'll get you two tires. And that has transparency has really put everybody to pull in the same direction. And that's part of the success this season so far. Well, I personally couldn't be happier for you and the great staff there. Please pass along uh, my congratulations, not only to the drivers and the owners and the fans, but Truly, being a former track operator myself, the unsung heroes, and that's whether it's the the safety crew or the the person that's uh, you know filling those cups with the sauces in the concession stands, they are the ones that come to work each and every day, and they need to be celebrated and touted with winning this Advance My Track Challenge as well. Absolutely, it, this is such a team effort. I will never take credit for anything because you're only as strong as the people you put around us. We have 98 employees at the Speedway, which is insane, but it's true. That's what it takes. You know, you're making, you know, mountains out of molehills with everybody working together. And I mean, we have an amazing maintenance staff and these guys put fresh paint on. We, we had to ran a two day week show. Uh, we ran a Saturday and July 2nd and Sunday, July 3rd. And it's 7 a.m. Sunday. They're painting the walls. I'm like, guys are just it's within 24 hours. But that's the sense of pride that they have. And it's just our concession staff, everybody. It, this is a big operation, and uh, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it, and that's that's what we're seeing here at Jennerstown. And you mentioned we're halfway through our season. We've only had one rain out. I'm not trying to jinx myself opening night. Shouldn't have used that R word. Yeah, I know. Uh, everybody's starting to get tired. We did just do a monster truck show, so it kind of gave the drivers a break. A lot of them are on vacation, but still for us at the Speedway, we keep motoring ahead and we got one of our biggest events coming up with the Motor Mountain Masters. That's kind of our pride and joy. So it's how can things keep getting better? Well, that's how it's going to get better because that's our, our biggest event of the year as far as we're proud of it. We're not bringing a series in. It's something that we've homegrown. This is the fifth year for it, and it just continues to grow. Uh, Keen Parts came on board this year. They're going to have the Keen Cup as part of the event. And we're just so proud of what we've accomplished here at Jennerstown and being drivers from all over the country. Even though the fuel prices are high, even though the inflation, they still want to be a part of this event. We got quite a few guys from up your neck of the woods coming down as well. 
Well, we're looking forward to the rest of the season and to that to that very special event. I encourage all my listeners, they can catch it too. Even if they can't make it to Jennerstown, just tune into Flow Racing each and every week. Billy, congratulations, and thanks so much for taking a victory lap today here in the Wind Tunnel. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. You've been listening to the Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap, brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series, driving local racing in local communities forward. Coming up after the break. Paul Tracy in third. Looking. So moving out front by a couple of car lengths now over and ready. Paul Tracy is third. Tony Stewart fourth. Bobby Labonte is fifth. I'll visit with former IndyCar driver and Stafford Speedway SRX Series third place finisher Paul Tracy. Next. Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Welcome back to your podcast home for motorsports conversation, Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Well, joining me now as an IndyCar veteran, since retired, but still known as the thrill from West Hill. He excited all of us with his performances in IndyCar, and then he treated us with a return engagement for the last two years, driving in the XRX series. Paul Tracy is in the house. PT, you made it to the podium this year. You're gaining on it in those stock cars. Well, I, I, at your track, too. So you told me last year how to get around there, and I didn't listen to you very good. And uh, I made it to the podium this year. So uh, I was pretty happy with that that night because last year that was probably my worst track. And then to come out of there with a podium, I was pretty pretty pleased. Uh, overall, um Couple good nights, couple bad nights, couple average nights. Um, got hit a lot. Uh, I didn't spin anybody out, but I they sure liked spinning me out. So that that wasn't super enjoyable. But I mean, it, it is what it it is what it is, right? Does it satisfy your appetite to get behind the wheel in a competitive posture? Well, I got to keep reminding myself that you know everybody keeps saying this is a TV show; it's not a racing series, but. You know, I certainly don't, Jack, like leaving the track after having a bad, a bad night. That's for sure. And I don't think, I don't think anybody does, you know, like, and it, the, the further back in the, in the line you get with 12 guys, the rougher it gets out there. You know, like when you're at the front, you've got track position, things kind of go back and forth pretty, pretty fair. The further back you get like anything. And I would probably imagine that the NASCAR drivers say the same thing when you get back you know, in the back, guys drive, they're already, you know, not in a good mood because they're not running good. So that's, you know, they just get get aggressive and get mad and start pushing and shoving. And that's kind of how it was in SRX this year. All right, let's switch gears because uh, you have been following, like all IndyCar fans, this uh, brouhaha between Alex Pillow, who, by the way, is the defending IndyCar champion. And part of chip ganassi racing who 
in early July, notified everybody that he was not going to return for personal reasons. Just maybe an hour or so after Chip Ganassi had also notified the world that they were going to take up the option and that Palo would return in 2023. Well, we've been following the saga, and lo and behold, this week they upped the ante. Uh, uh, papers have been filed. Lawsuits have been registered in Marion County in Indiana, and Ganassi is suing Alex Pillow. What do you make of all this craziness, Tracy? Well, it's, it's a lot more than a brouhaha, I'll tell Indeed, you that. I yeah. mean, it, the, plot, the plot has certainly thickened big time yesterday with the announcement of this lawsuit by, by Chip Ganassi. And, I, you know, I don't know the details of what, what the lawsuit is about, but I, I'm speculating here with you, and we're just talking off the cusp. Obviously, I would imagine negotiations have been going back and forth between the two of where are we going, what are we doing? And they must not have come to an agreement uh, that Alex is going to stay. He, he must be adamant. I'm not staying. And Chip's like, maybe, yeah, you are. Or, you know, and now there's a lawsuit. So that's all, all I can, you know, kind of speculate that is what's going on. Because if, they, if he said, if Chip said to him, look, you're under contract. I want you to keep driving for me. I'll give you a race-winning car. You know, a reasonable guy would probably say, okay, well, I know you're going to give me a race-winning car because history history shows Chip Ganassi provides race drivers with race-winning cars. But there's obviously something going on there where there's pushback from Pelot not wanting to drive there. And, and now Chip is – you know Chip better than I do. He's, now he's dug his feet in, and that's the guy you don't want digging your feet in. When you were with me and Tony Kanam, my partner on Brick by Brick, you brought up, I, I think, a very salient point that Roger Yasukawa, who, by the way, discovered this young man while he was racing in Japan and then, you know, charted his course forward to an IndyCar championship, was released. Uh, and that re that that relationship ended after the day after the Indy 500. And there's a new group that uh, pretty much negotiated this new deal with team McLaren. Paul, how much do you think, uh, you know, that was an effort on the management team to show that they could go one step better than Yasukawa as far as Pelot's career is concerned? Certainly, certainly somebody has not read the contract correctly, whether that's uh, Pelot's management or, you know, uh, or it's, Chip Ganassi has, hasn't read his contract correctly, but, you know, again, history, history, you know, you look back at history, I would say, you know, Chip is a pretty shrewd businessman, and I don't think he, he uh, doesn't cross all the T's and dot all the I's. I don't think. I, I honestly know that he does dot all those I's and cross all those T's. This isn't his first rodeo. Continuing our conversation here with Paul Tracy. So before we, we, we at least say we'll stay tuned to Alex Pillow, in your opinion, as an outsider, just like me, just you and I talking about this, what do you think the percentages are that either A, Pillow buys out Ganassi, or B, ends up being forced because this litigation continues 
to sit on the sidelines for part or for all of 2023? I think there's a possibility of both of those things could either, either way could happen. Now the question mark is what, what is the monetary value that chip puts on his contract, you know, cause he's got sponsors involved and, you know, he's got the title sponsor of the series involved uh, as, as Alex Pelos sponsor, you know, which as I understand is also in, in negotiation right now for renewal. So that NTT sponsorship you know, probably augments the argument that Ganassi is making of the value of that property that is Alex Pillow. Well, and it also could cause damages to if, if Alex Pillow is to leave, it could cause damages to that that contract as well. So, I mean, I don't know. We don't know the all the ins and outs and, and the numbers, but certainly it's not going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars. We're going to we're talking millions of dollars for him to buy himself out of this the contract with chip, right? They're not, they're not squabbling over, you know, a couple hundred grand here. Right. So this is big time money. So I'm not sure whether Polo personally has that kind of money to, to pay, to get out of a contract that would either take somebody, an, another sponsor or a McLaren or somebody buying that out. Now, does that come off of, offsetting his potential salary because hiring a guy for let's say as a round number they're going to pay him two million dollars and now they've got to buy out his contract for one two three million dollars is he worth five i don't i don't know you know no i i don't think there's anybody in in indycar right now with the with the market of drivers that are out there there's there's nobody making that kind of money. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but you, you know, the other option is if he can't get himself out of the contract and chip legally wins this thing, he could potentially put him on the sidelines and sink his career. You know, I don't think, chip, I don't think chips that kind of a guy, but if you can, I think chips at that kind of a guy, if you want, if you continue to keep raising your sword and, and go to go to battle with him, you know, he's going to fight back, right? Let's acknowledge the fact that it is well documented. There is no love between Zach Brown at McLaren and Chip Ganassi at CGR. And hell no, hell hath no fury like a Dago that is pissed off. And Ganassi does end his name in a vile, Tracy. Hey, before I let you go, taking a look at the first half and maybe a couple of more races, of this 2022 IndyCar campaign, I'm beginning to sense that there was a point in time where guys like you, you could have an extended career because the ladder system wasn't feeding or flooding the marketplace. Now we've got a built-in ladder system with a lot of youngsters with incredible talent and a European desire that's opened back up for, you know, Formula 3, Formula 2 drivers to flood the market as well. And they come with golden briefcases. Are we look, are we looking at a point where maybe some established veterans uh, find themselves forced into an early retirement because of this youth movement? Well, they could. And also these kids that are coming out of any lights. They're also really fast and quick. I mean, the two, the two most notable ones 
recently are, are Pat O'Ward and Colton Herta, and they're they're right up at the front of the championship now, and you know contending for race wins every single week. And it was only a couple of years ago they were in any light. So these new guys coming up now, we've got Kirkwood uh, has got a lot of hype behind him. Uh, Malukas has proven to be pretty darn quick in Dale Coyne's car. There's more kids coming up through it. So, you know, the guys are hanging around now that are in their forties, uh, you know, that the sands of time, you know, sooner or later they run, they run out. Right. Hey, listen, it's always a pleasure. We need to chat more often. Uh, so very happy that you finally took my damn advice. It was good to see you master that. And when uh, SRX uh, season three returns, now you got, you got, you understand it. You put a wheel to somebody. It's not, you know, it, it's not IndyCar. And I expect more podiums out of you, my friend. Well, for sure. I hope we can come back to your track next year. I'm, I, you know, I'm actively now out trying to, you know, you know, this thing is a great deal. The TV ratings are great. It's the second most watched motorsport in uh, in the United States, but you know they need to find some sponsorship to keep the wheels turning for next year, and they got to start working on it now, not in December or January. So I'm helping out with that. You know, we're, we're hoping to get Camus back on board uh, for next year. I think they really enjoyed what what they did with us, and uh, we'll keep working on getting more sponsorship for the series and and uh, bring in some more new drivers for next year and have a good time. Hey, BT, always a pleasure. Have fun. All right. Thanks, Jack. I'll wrap this puppy up right after the break. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. It's been a pretty full wind tunnel episode this week, and I hope that you did indeed enjoy it. I'll return next week when you'll hear from the 2013 Indy 500 champion, Tony Kanaan, as well as world-renowned street course designer Tony Kotman. And of course, I'll also have all the action from the racing world. So join me again next week, won't you? When I'll be back here inside the Wind Tunnel. You've been listening to Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe to Wind Tunnel's YouTube channel where you'll discover bonus content. I'm Lenny Baticki of Performance Racing Networks at the Track Show saying thank you for joining us today. See you again next week.